What the fuck is beeping in my background? Is that Discord? What? What, like this? Beep. Yes. Stop that. Oh, my God. (laughs) Beep. For the love of God. Oh, it put me in slow mode. What the fuck? (laughs) For the love of God. I'm just looking I, to see if you I did. just sent him like 20 Discord messages. <laughs> hey, one of these is actually a acronym. Oh, is it really? German Shepherd Dog. Oh, yeah, look at that. But none of the other things that you sent to me are real life words. Oh, Georgia. G-A. G-S, okay. good shit. I don't know okay. if that's a real thing. <laughs> good shit. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody shoots you in a game, you just G-S. It's like, what does that mean? Good shit. Good shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's nice shot if you're talking about being accurate. <laughs> what if like some grenade flies off of a wall and hits you and it was totally accidental? I feel like that you can't say that. some good shit. That. Yeah, that's good shit. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I am so glad for you too. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Get together, have a few laughs. Uh oh, shit, lady, do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Lady, put the freaking gun down on the ground right now. Take your shot across the freaking street and say that Dewey's gonna get you. Hello, and welcome to Where There's a Willis, There's a Way, a film podcast about the multitude of works by Bruce Willis. My name is Kendrick Martin. And I'm Josh Carter. Today, we're gonna be covering Mask of Zorro, directed by Martin Campbell, written by Ted Elliott. Terry Rossero, Randall Jansen, and John Escow. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, what we typically do here is an in-depth breakdown of a movie starring Bruce Willis, both from a film perspective as well as his individual contribution. We'll add the movie to our rankings, talk trivia, and do the Wheel of Willis. However, if you've been listening along, you'll know that this episode is not like our regular episodes and is instead the final episode in our examination of other famous 90s films. Today is also special because we have a special guest. Mm. Joining us this week is Grant. Hello, it's me. (laughs) 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 I didn't actually bring in like my trumpets like normal for my other appearances. Typically we have guests like pay a band to just be in the background for this one bit. But, yeah, I was gonna, yeah. and then they just call that six. So I was like, yeah. you know what? It's, it's too late now. <laughs> Bummer. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for coming on. <laughs> glad you could be here. Yeah. Grant is a friend of uh, both Kendrick and I, goes way back. And he, uh, he and I have talked films many times because we'll watch movies together. And I'm excited to have him on the podcast. And I'm excited to, talk to be about here. it in more official ways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Grant, I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your favorite Bruce Willis movie? <laughs> I'm going to have to go with the really like basic answer and just say Die Hard. Classic. All right. Classic. It's a good you know, one. I that if I was asked a couple years ago, I might have just said Die Hard also. That's a great call. It's great a fun pick. movie. Yeah. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast and you want to find previous episodes, you can head on over to williswaypod.com if you want to listen to other podcasts in the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network. Head on over to lastoftheactionheroes.com. If you want to support this podcast, 
you can head on over to anchor.fm slash willis-way and you can support us financially there. Uh, you can also always support this podcast by ranking and rating and starring and reviewing and uh, I'm trying to think of another R word. Uh, this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, I know Spotify just added a way to add podcast reviews. Josh, I'm not a Spotify man for many reasons, mm-hmm. but do you know how to access said podcast reviews? Because I looked today and I did not see any way to leave or read podcast reviews. Um. So apparently you have to listen to a like some amount of time of a podcast in order to be able to leave the review. Oh. So that might have been part of it. Um, but I think that you should just be able to do it just by going into, of course, I'm not the first thing that pops up when we search for Willis um, on <laughs> there, but yeah, and then I can doing this live. I don't know. <laughs> it's is, possible, though. I'm great sure. radio. Great radio. I was just trying <laughs> to see uh, how I could tell who has done it so far, and I couldn't figure that out. So. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm not actually sure. I'm not actually sure. Um yeah, maybe I guess if you want to leave us a review on Spotify, thank you for trying. You can figure <laughs> it out. And then go go over to Apple Podcasts and leave another review telling us how to get to that Spotify review. <laughs> <laughs> but please also on your Spotify review, give us a GPS coordinate and send us on a wild goose chase to actually find the review. If you could put it on like the back of the Declaration of Independence or something like that, that'd be even more ideal. Oh, for our Nicolas Cage podcast spinoff that we'll do someday. Yep. Yep. <laughs> God, man. <laughs> uh, you know what? One day I'll go on a vision quest and figure out how to leave a review on your guys' podcast. <laughs> Perfect. All this right, is why I right. brought you on, Grant, so yep. you could unlock the Spotify review system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Okay, so before we dive into discussing this movie, we'd like to give audience members an idea on if this movie is worthwhile for watching. Um, if you have loyally listened along, um, you are familiar with and even write your family members about how great our rating system is. But for those of us that are just joining in, um, the way that we rank movies is we rank movies um, or we rate them, sorry, a Bruce Willis out of a Bruce Willis. So the more letters that gets, the better the movie is. If it gets over a Bruce, it means that we recommend watching it just in general. Um, yeah, that's that's how we do things on this show. And it obviously doesn't just apply to Bruce Willis movies. This can be applied to any movie or any media that exists ever. Anything, anything. Kendrick, what mm-hmm. would you rate going on a walk? Full Bruce Willis. Full Bruce Willis. There you go. Wow. It's infallible. <laughs> um, <clears throat> can't go my wrong. My mental health would be vastly worse if I never went on walks. It's true. True. That's a fair. You turn into one of the Wally people. Um, but yeah. So this movie, Mask of Zorro, um, how do you guys both assess it? Kendrick, let's start with you. Um, so I thought I had seen this movie before, but as I watched it, I realized I had not. So I think this was my first time watching it and had a really great time. I think I will rank this movie a Bruce Will 1L. 
Bruce Will 1-0. Excellent. Um, Grant, what about you? Have you had you seen this movie before? I think so, but it's been many moons. So it was basically like a first watch. Uh, I, I remember basically nothing about it. Nice. Um, I think I had a good time with it. I had uh, there were some really good parts and some parts that I didn't like as much, but I think probably a Bruce W. All right. All right. Um, I love this movie. I pushed for us to watch this one. Um, and I'm not going to give it a full Bruce Willis, but I'm going to give it a Bruce Willie. I adore this movie. I think it's great. So, yeah. Awesome. Uh, we seem to all have positive reactions to a lot of these 90s movies we picked. So I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, it's been good revisiting these these topics. Well, I mean, we did pick movies that we liked. We didn't just pick three or four 90s movies at random through like a dart at a wall because I'm True. sure that our experiences would be different. True. <laughs> you tell me you didn't just throw a stinker in there just for fun that you knew was bad. <laughs> Air Force One was the biggest stinker that we watched and Air Force One wasn't bad. So <laughs> yeah, I feel like stinker is doing a lot of work there. It was, yeah. it was fun. Yeah, none of these are contenders for the Stinker's Bad Movies Award. So. No, none at all. That's fair. None. It's been weird yeah. not bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, if you guys uh, ever want to reach out to us, you can send us an email at williswaypod at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram by tweeting or insta in at williswaypod. And then you can also find us on the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network facebook page and then if you send us something and you don't say please don't read this out loud we read it out loud so we got an email um from nathan and the email starts out with the really strong i would say um and attention grabbing uh headline what's the word email word for headline subject line subject line (laughs) (laughs) with the subject line on the subject of paul rudd i can't believe i couldn't remember what subject line was when subject the word is in the subject line um that's something else um but yeah nathan writes paul rudd is great i like paul rudd kendrick is wrong i have nothing else to add as i'm barely into the episode but if more thoughts are gifted me i'll alert you and then he gave us a couple wheel of suge- wheel suggestions, um, not on how to make a wheel, but for the wheel of Willis, I'm presuming. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like, I got this great idea. It's brand new. I just came up with it. <laughs> round squares. <laughs> um, but yeah. So thank you, Nathan. Um, Kendrick, you've now been called out publicly. So, so I just want to stop Paul and say Rudd that I feel like great is a strong word. I watched a episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm today. And uh, if you're not familiar with, it's a funny show. Larry David plays Larry David. And at one point, someone goes like, oh, so-and-so is great. And he's like, no, no, great's a strong word. Gandhi's great. George Washington's great. But this person is nice. They're fine. So I'm like, yeah, we need to stop using great all the time. Let's save that word for truly great things. Paul, Paul Rudd is not great. Paul Rudd is fine. Who would you say is great then, Kendrick? I feel uh, like he just gave examples now. Yeah. George Washington, Gandhi. <laughs> I haven't seen any of those guys in movies recently. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know my only metric for what makes a person great? <laughs> is if they've been in some movies. <laughs> yeah. Sir Anthony Hopkins, he's great. That's true. That's true. 
and we will get into Sir Anthony Hopkins, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Nathan, for sending that in. Uh, appreciate yep. it. Grant, what's your um, opinion on Paul Rudd? Uh, I think he's great. Um, <laughs> okay. oh, right. How do you boot someone from a podcast? <laughs> no, I think he gives great performances. I think he's generally just a really talented actor. Uh, I hadn't, I haven't seen a ton of what he's been in, but he was in, I think, the Netflix show "Living with Yourself." Very quality television. Um, he gives a very, very good performance. So I think that there, coupled with how he interacts with people publicly, um, he seems like a cool dude. I like him. He goes on Conan and to promote his newest film, he will show the same clip from this really bad 80s movie about this kid that's on a wheelchair and falls off of a cliff. And then a weird E.T. alien pops up at the end of it. And he will goad Conan into playing it because like every other time he'll actually show a real clip. And then Conan will be like, are you going to show me that stupid clip again? And he's like, no. And then he'll roll the clip and Conan will just be like, no. So what you're telling me is Paul Rudd thinks he invented Rick Roll, but he basically just copied Rick Roll. All right, Kendrick, if Anthony Hopkins was doing that, you would love it. Or if George Washington was doing it, you would love it. So Anthony Hopkins would probably be doing it with like footage of real Shakespeare somehow that he captured from a time machine. Uh, I hate that you're making me compare Anthony Hopkins to Paul Rudd. <laughs> this is really unfair to Paul Rudd. This is the problem with the word great. You can't just throw that word around. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Now we're going to get into the Mask of Zorro. There is a saying, a very old saying, the pupil is ready, the master will appear. Zorro. In a land where freedom is a memory. I came here to learn how to fight like you, to have your strength, your courage. Zara was a servant of the people. He did what was needed. Now he's needed again. And justice is outlawed. Ask the man will be my brother. Kill him! The just must become outlaws. You know how to use that thing? Yes. The pointy end goes into the other man. going to take a lot of work. One, five, three. If you want to kill this man, I can help you and I can teach you how to move, how to think, how to take your revenge with honor. How can I do what is needed when all I feel is hate? You hide it with this. Be careful, senorita. There are dangerous men about. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been three days since my last confession. Go on. I have broken the fourth commandment, Padre. You killed somebody? No, that is not the fourth commandment. Of course not. I had impure thoughts about a man. Last four? Yes, last four. No bad? The only sin would be to deny what your heart truly feels. No bad at all. No. Between the woman who rules his heart... Don't pretend she means nothing to you. 
what she does. And the enemy who claims his soul. I would murder a hundred innocent men if it meant killing you. Rise the battle. Montero has some plans for California. The time has come to claim what always should have been ours. For the destiny of a nation. Tomorrow we fight in earnest. We will both tempt our fates. It's only one man. It isn't just one man, damn it. It's sorrow. This summer, justice leaves its mark. You know, Zoro, it could be anywhere. Did you miss me? I'm really enjoying this hyper low frame rate. I know. <laughs> it's from the 90s, guys. Come on. Was that was that uh, ma- what made a 90s trailer was mm-hmm. just under cranking all the time? We just had a there was a frame shortage in the 90s. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I give that trailer a B <laughs> out of Bruce Willis. <laughs> I was about to say, that's really high. <laughs> God. Damn, damn, damn. All right. <clears throat> that audio was from the trailer of Mask of Zorro, and this movie can be found on Netflix and available on video on demand. So, Grant, you're our guest. Let's start with you. Give... Tell me what you thought of this movie. You said you had probably seen it before, but it had been a long time. Um, yeah. What were your reactions? What did you like? What did you not like? Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I I have like one question before I get into that. Is Zoro like based off of something or is it just like from this movie? Yeah, he's based on something. So the there was like a novels about Zoro that were based on this like Mexican folktale. And then there was um, like the, and the folktales were based on like a real person. Um, yeah, some of these actually, people were actual people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it's like three steps removed. And then Zorro was also turned into like TV shows and like silent films were made about Zorro. And then like through the like mid 60s to when this movie came out, there wasn't a whole lot of Zorro media. It was one of those things that it kind of like faded into the background a little bit, like like Robin Hood or like uh, King Arthur or mm. other sorts of like folk tales that we have where like we're familiar with them. But it's like people aren't exactly super interested in seeing that over other stuff. Um, that makes sense. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think without knowing like literally anything about any of this, I think... I liked it and I didn't like it, but it depended on what part of the movie we were in. Mm. Um, I think <laughs> things that I wish the movie would have leaned more into were things like the intro slash outro where he like goes into this like backlit place and he like slashes Z and it's in flames and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It looks ridiculous, but it's also cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite parts of this movie were when 
it was leaning into the ridiculousness a little bit instead yeah. of relying a little bit more on like more by the numbers type storytelling. So like, <clears throat> especially when he's in a fight scene and like, he's not sure how to be Zoro just yet. So he picks up like antlers off a wall and starts fighting with them or whatever. I think when they start leaning into like Antonio Banderas's character of him, like he had a ton of personality. If they lean into him a little bit more, I, every time they did, I was like, this movie's great. Yeah. So you liked the character stuff, but sometimes like the movie being a movie got in the way of the yeah. character stuff. Okay. I think like a good example is like when it was talking about Anthony Hopkins character, I do not remember their names. I'm sorry. When it was talking about uh, Anthony Hopkins character and like the, the start of Zorro and that kind of thing, I was just like, is this going to be the whole movie? I hope not. Um, and as that was like more of like a basis of like where it starts and then it starts introducing Alejandro and that kind of thing. I'm like, okay, I'm starting to see where this is going. I think the duality is like uh, the Anthony Hopkins parts. I was not as invested in because mm. it felt a little bit more generic. And then every time it was about Alejandro. So like when he's at the party or it's focusing on his relationship with Elena or whatever her name is. Um, I think every time it focused on him, it ended up leaning into his personality, which I think worked for me. And then when yeah. he was, when he was absent, uh, it was harder to follow for me. Yeah. I think also this movie is, if you're familiar with like the classic Zorro stories, um, the character that's played by Anthony Hopkins, his name is Don Diego de la Vega. And this character is like what the character was throughout his entire run it's this like rich lord who is a like quote-unquote class trader who is going out and fighting for the people but then still is super rich and has this big house and stuff like that and that's like what the character is the character originally super super one-dimensional like lone ranger sort of character not a whole lot of depth to him um, so they are like both doing a reboot of that original series as well as like a continuation and a reimagining with the future like movies that they could have made with um, uh, uh, fuck. What's his name? Antonio Banderas. They made one sequel to it, which I haven't seen, but they could have in theory kept this going because they have like this new established character and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So I think knowing that might like going into it may have made it a different picture for you, but I totally yeah. see where you're coming from. Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, uh, let's dive into the plot and walk through the plot a little bit. So Grant, you mentioned um, the movie starts by introducing um, us, uh, introducing us to kind of pre statehood California. So I don't remember the exact year, but this is kind of during the, uh, Mexican War for Independence and um, kind of Mexico separating from Spain, um, Santa Ana, that, all that kind of time period. And um, the Spanish are heavily um, taxing and treating the um, native Californians. And we see what appears to be kind of a public execution taking place. And there are two little boys running around, two brothers, and um, everyone's kind of whispering about a Zorro figure. And um, of course, you know, Zorro unmasks himself. He thwarts a capture attempt um, with help from those little boys. And 
um, saves the day, runs off, gives the boys this silver medallion. And then later we're, uh, we find out that Zorro is this uh, Don De La Vega character played by Anthony Hopkins. And <clears throat> so I, I told you guys that I thought I had seen this movie. And as I watched this opening, I realized I had not. And my wife had. And I was like, wait, Anthony Hopkins is Zorro? I thought Antonio Banderas <laughs> was Zorro. What is going on? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, Anthony Hopkins looks real weird. Like he has a lot of makeup on. Is this just going to be him doing all this stuff uh, the whole time? I was like, this movie does not seem like at all what I was expecting. <laughs> She's like, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure you're going to get like a 20 years later moment here in any second. And then sure enough, that's what happens. Um, so I, um, we, I was kind of talking with my wife as we were watching this about how, we weren't sure if the concept of Zorro was like a mantle that you passed down, like a, like the, the, was the legend kind of something that like a mask would live on, but like a character could die or not, or was there like just one known Zorro in the, in the story of Zorro? In the story of Zorro, it was just like Don Diego de la Vega. That was it. Okay. Like it was that's, always, that's the like the guy. book slash myth is just, that's what it's based off of. Uh, no, that's that's the character's name. It's based on one guy though, and he like died at age like twenty three or something like that. Okay, like okay. So the whole yeah. passing of the torch is new new to this movie. Yeah, new to this movie, new to that legend. Um, I immediately got, and I'll talk about this more later. But a lot of references to Three Musketeers and um, just. Uh, Alexander Dumas's writing in general. He's the author of the three Musketeers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think this story draws a lot from it's con European contemporaries, which would have been all those stories of European revolutions and class struggles and masked figures. I think <clears throat> that um, tale is pretty common around that time period. And so I think this, once I started to piece that together, I was like, Oh, I'm seeing a lot of the stylistic choices there. Yeah, same thing with uh, Count of Monte Cristo too, also written by Alexander yeah. Dumas. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because there's a scene later um, in a prison that was like beat for beat, Count of Monte Cristo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, then the, the plot moves on from there. We go to De La Vega's um, manor or estate or whatever, and he's with his wife and baby. <clears throat> and we see him as kind of the family man, and he's singing to his baby and... Uh, making goo goo eyes at his wife. And then lo and behold, his evil nemesis, Don Raphael shows up and there's a, another sword fight in which his wife is killed and um, De La Vega is captured. And then the 20 years, then the 20 years pass. So this opening block, did this, did this stuff work for you guys or would you just preferred uh, to go straight to like Antonio Banderas's character. That's a good question. I feel like <clears throat> you need it and don't need it. Um, I think if you were to not show it, you would have to tell it in another way. Um, I think maybe if they did introduce Zorro, young Alejandro, but once he helps them and then he like, see you guys later, it cuts to 20 years later, that could have worked. And then he talks about what he uh what he's been through later in the movie as he's getting trained um probably could have done that 
Um, but I think either works in this scenario, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that this movie kind of worked itself into a corner a little bit because there's like two protagonists that have fully fleshed out stories. I'm in a film class right now and they're talking about the like 11 steps of a story. And each of these two characters goes through the 11 steps. So it's it's a little much, especially at the beginning to try to get all of the pieces in motion. And I do think that the beginning part is maybe like a little bit. I don't want to say clunky because it doesn't really like everything feels like it's placed there purposefully, but it does feel like maybe a little bit bulgy, if that makes sense. Like maybe a little bit too big. Bulgy. (laughs) Could have used different words, but it's fine. Dense is a great word. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Turgid. Uh, (laughs) Um. So I'll probably bring this up a few more times as we go over this, but my main issue, which isn't really even an issue, but this movie felt flabby in that there are a couple points that I was like, this movie is really dragging on and it's over two hours and the action scenes, all the sword fighting is all very good. And I know that like Antonio Banderas really tried to do almost all of his stunts. So he like really put the effort in to learn swordsmanship and fighting and i know that i'm saying with castle zeta jones they both did a lot of work on learning how to use swords and fight with swords so i think that part really shows i just think there's a couple other parts and i think josh you said it best when it's like there are two main characters and both of them are trying to vie for full screen time i um traditionally in these passing of the torch stories the torch gets passed pretty early on or like Mm -hmm. midway through and then you don't see that first torchbearer anymore you know they die or they leave or they're like infirm or they can't fight um but antonio but they're not given a full story they're not given the full range of everything totally totally yeah um yeah cool yeah do you think that like they could have recut this movie and just made it an antonio banderas focused movie and like cut out a lot of the anthony anthony hopkins stuff and it would have worked better for you or do you feel like it sort of is like written this way and it has to go out this way. I don't know. I, I don't know if a recut would have worked because I think Antonio, ben, or I think Anthony Hopkins is great in this movie. I really like watching him in this movie. And so I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to see less of him. I'm just not totally sure we need uh, all of it. I think this movie it's, it's interesting because in today year of our Lord, 2022, we're all fairly familiar with the concept of Zorro and we know the cutting the Z into things. And even though there's only been the few movies, we're still aware of its impact on pop culture. And in the 90s, when this movie came out, 98, I think. 98, yeah. Called? Yeah. Uh, this probably a lot of people weren't familiar with the story of Zorro. And so they had to fill in a lot of backstory. Whereas um, I think if you were retelling the story, you wouldn't need to reiterate to people um, how bad the Spanish government was, how bad the Don was and stuff like that. I'm also, um, I was hoping for a little bit more with the passing of the silver medallion. Like we'll get to it here in the next part, but after we see those boys grown up, they're, you know, morally good and fighting for good, but they're not especially great fighters. And when they meet 
when Alejandro meets Zorro, he's just like arrogant and cocky and emotional and immediately shot down. Um, so I think it, it would have been more impactful if we had seen him had spent the last 20 years trying to be as good of a sword fighter as Zorro. And Zorro mm-hmm. could be like, well, you tried, I guess I'll give you that, but you're not, you're not any good other than this kind of cockiness that we see. Um, so I'm like, yeah. why, why bother with that medallion thing at all? Other than a little bit of connection there, but yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on in the plot. So 20 years pass and we see Alejandro and Joaquin, the two little boys from the opening in this scene where they and another character three finger jack i believe his name is mm-hmm. um robbing some soldiers i thought the scene was pretty funny and it um definitely kind of helped set the mood of the movie um <clears throat> basically they pretend to be captured and they walk into this barracks area and the the um captain of the guard is like well all right i'll take them off your hands. And then they do this kind of slapsticky trip, everybody move and cut to black. And, um, they've stolen all the money. Um, this movie, I, I assume it's rated PG 13 definitely kind of waffles back and forth between targeting towards adults and targeting towards kids. Sometimes there's not any, um, blood. And other times there seems to be a lot of blood. And I was like, wow, there's no blood in any of these sorts fights because it's like a family-friendly action film. And then other times I'm like, oh, geez, that's a lot of blood I just saw. Um, But one thing I want to ask you guys, so I remember growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, these kinds of movies were fairly common. Standalone, like multiple quadrant cross, uh, you know, good for couples, good for families, good for good for all kinds of people, action movies that didn't require a lot of foreknowledge. They weren't part of big franchises and would just take people to go to the movie theater and they had fun and they went home. Um, and they were fairly well liked by critics and people and have, you know, this movie stands up, you know, 20 some years later. Um, have superhero movies replaced this for us today? Or do, can is there... Am I not aware of like a modern equivalent of kind of just the fun action movie that works for everybody? I think superheroes have probably done probably this, but superheroes. I yeah, I think I'd agree. I think there's very few like actual block, but like classic blockbusters that people go to that aren't superheroes at this point. Like there's Mission Impossible and James Bond. Yeah, I, th- I think those are the only two I can think of. Yeah. Um. And those are franchises like they're not right. even like one offs. So I think you're probably right about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having a hard time thinking of any uh, any other exceptions to that rule. Yeah. I'm not I'm not necessarily going to just lament the changes of pop culture, but I was just I was trying to think like has the the Marvel machine, the Disney machine really been what's replaced that? And I, I think that's probably the best the best uh, concept of that. Yeah. Uh, continuing on in the plot, we see after the three bandits kind of leave that camp, they run into the Captain uh, Love, um, who I didn't, I don't know if they introduced him by name or not, but I was like, is that General Custer? Because I don't know if that's just like a classic, you know, 1800s white guy, white blonde guy look, but I was like, 
I thought he was somewhere in the the middle of the continent. What's he doing out here? <laughs> but no, it's just another guy, just another long blonde, generally looking guy. Uh, I don't know if he's supposed to be American or from the U.S., United States, or or Mexican or Spanish. I really not entirely sure who he is, or just like a mercenary. He looks like he had an American looking uniform on, so I'd say he's probably American. But yeah, he's definitely working for Don Rafael, but we're, I'm never really told who he's working for. And other than the fact that he's blonde, um, I would have just assumed he was another Mexican, but or, or Spanish guy. Uh, he kills um, Joaquin, uh, Alejandro's brother. Uh, well, technically, he captures him, and before he can kill him, he shoots himself. Joaquin shoots himself. Um, that was one of the moments where I was like, whoa, this uh, that was a very intense, violent moment that kind of was different from these bloodless sword fights we had been seeing. And then um, we are also introduced to Don Rafael again. And this is where this is another part that kind of slowed down a little bit, but we have to give this historical context of what's going on. Um, the whole Mexican, uh, California, Spanish war, um, trying to separate and become a state, the finding of gold, all this stuff that's kind of like sussed out here in a conversation. Um, how, how did this work for you guys? Did you care about the, the political plot or was it just like, okay, bad guys are doing bad guy things. I think it was mostly a vehicle for me to see the, the story of the protagonists rather than the historical background. Yeah. The fact that it was historical referencing, I think is just like the icing on the cake. This movie just needed bad guys to be doing bad guy things. So the good guys could do good guy things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as part of this kind of like re- historical plot machinations, we are taken to a prison where Don Raphael shows up and uh, sifts through all these prisoners. It's never explicitly told, but I think we're supposed to be led to believe he's looking for Zorro again. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these men kind of are like, "I was Zorro, I was Zorro," and this is where this is where what got me thinking is was Zorro a, a mantle that was passed um and all the, were all these men t- like Zorro at one point i know that one of those actors actually played Zorro in one of the old Zorro movies oh, that's interesting <laughs> but other than that um i wasn't quite sure but this is the kind of monte cristo reference i was talking about where um we see de la vega um kind of take take a dead man's spot and get buried um, and then escape that way and kind of return to life. It was a little unbelievable that after 20 years in what appears to be a pretty hard uh, California prison, he was able to just return to life other than like a little bit of infirmness, but didn't really have a problem uh, physically. I thought that was a little (laughs) unbelievable, but I don't know. How did this scene work for you guys? I, I had the, the thought of like, uh, I don't remember, what is the antagonist's name? Like the Don, I forget his Don name. Don Raphael. Don Raphael. Uh, like he looks <laughs> dead in the eyes 
uh, Anthony Hopkins. And it's like pretty clearly yeah. Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> and, and he's just like, nah, I don't know if that's him. Like, I don't like I would get it if he had never seen his face, but he has seen his face. He put him in jail um, on top of that. Like he wanted to get with Anthony Hopkins wife. Uh, so like he's familiar with what he looks like. Um, and then even more so we haven't gotten to this part later in the movie, but he's like in a crowd and he's fully shaven, looks pretty much like he did in a crowd walking towards Raphael yeah. with a knife. Nobody notices it. Mm-hmm. Um, like he, that's pretty clearly him and you're not going to notice that. I feel like that was the biggest thing for me. It's the effect of time. It's the mm. effect of time. <laughs> And to be fair, he did have a fake eye patch while in prison. He Clark Kented his way out of getting caught. <laughs> that makes me face blind is whenever somebody has anything on their face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what <Yeah>. was Whoa. that? <laughs> <laughs> Those listening, Josh just covered his eye up <laughs> as part of a non-oral joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff in this movie is very stylized though. And is, um, very like theatrical stagey feeling. I think that it works for me, but I could understand how people would be like, why wouldn't he see them? But I think that it's pretty forgivable in a movie that is playing so heavily into the direction that it is, if that makes sense. But that could have also just been my personal experience with it too. I think you're probably right that, that you kind of put a name to what I felt like the entire movie felt like, um, where it was, it felt very like a stage play kind of feel, not necessarily that there wasn't lots of action or stylized things that were more film appropriate, but a lot of the scenes structure felt very much like a stage play. Um, and I think, because I'm a young boy uh, who like the, the most recent movies I've watched are from the last year are very different from that. That's not a very common way to make movies anymore. So I think for me that didn't work, but that's also probably because of the saturation of other kinds of films that I've been watching. What do you think, Kendrick? Um, I, I think it, I think it worked fine for me. I don't think uh, I never really got that um, staginess aspect. I think it was, it goes back to this kind of nineties era uh, kind of classic comedy action where it's just, everything's kind of over the top and that's just, you just have to put yourself in that uh, mindset. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, let's move on. So Alejandro meets up with De La Vega. Um, Alejandro's drunk at a bar and wants to kill Captain Love uh, to avenge his brother. And De La Vega stops him and says he needs to not act out of anger. And then we are introduced to the training montage. Known to all action movies, the training montage. Um, this training montage I thought worked pretty well. I think Antonio Banderas's uh, charm uh, carries the whole thing. I think the, the element of the of the training montage. I thought I didn't. We didn't really learn. A, we didn't really get a whole lot. 
Um, although there was this one concept that was brought up, the the concept of the circle, and I felt like it was never really paid off uh, for me. And so um, the, this concept is this training ring um, that De La Vega has. Again, going back to the he he, saw, he made it sound like this is where Zoros have been trained forever. Also making me think that there had been a long line of Zoros training in this cave, but there's a training ring. Uh, and in this ring is um, not quite concentric circles, but different circles. And Anthony Hopkins says, you're going to start in having the most space and then you're going to gradually get into the smaller circles. Um, and he compared it to uh tracking your target so you can't just go straight for your target you have to kind of start on the outside and slowly work your way in until your target in this case captain love enters your circle and that's when you can go after him and i think conceptually it kind of works as a way to dissuade him from just immediately going and trying to fight him on the street but it's only really brought up once more and and just kind of a throwaway line and even the training montage doesn't really make use of moving through the circles um i kept waiting for like a moment where uh antonio banderas like jumps the gun and tries to go off and do something before he's like fully in the center circle or something along those lines and it was like never really brought up and i was like what was the point of all the circle stuff um but otherwise yeah like i said the kind of the charm of Antonio Banderas made that scene fun to watch. I don't know. What did you guys think? I agree. Uh, I think it, I think what I would have liked to see is a lot of this movie of being Antonio Banderas and Anthony Hopkins playing off of each other. Um, Cause I think some of my favorite bits were when um, Antonio was like swinging his sword around being all ridiculous. And then Anthony just kind of like wax it out of his hand. Like shit like that is really funny. Um, and I think like seeing more how they interact with each other, because I think thematically they're on polar opposites. Like uh, Anthony Hopkins is very serious and uh, very like I wouldn't call him one note, but I think very much focused on like straight and narrow, like try and do things the right way type deal. And uh, Alejandro is very much free form. He's a younger guy. He uh, he's a thief, all that, like seeing that play off of each other, I think would have been really fun to see more of, especially with how you were saying, like going through the circles and then him going off and doing a thing. Um, all that would have been awesome. Yeah, I agree. It makes me think that maybe in like the writer's room, they had a more well fleshed out idea. And then it got pared down and pared down and pared down. And so we don't take the payoffs. Yeah, <laughs> they're taking <laughs> it down. Um, but yeah, it makes me wonder if there was like maybe a three hour cut of this too that existed. And Jeez. then they're like, no, <laughs> we can't release that. <laughs> so that training ring is visually cool. And yeah. I don't know if any of us have seen the sequel. Um, Legend of Zorro. It, I haven't. I haven't either. Um, but... I would hope that um, more can maybe be made use of that of that concept because I think that that sword fighting training rink or training ring series of rings uh, was neat and I um, I had totally forgot about it till this one line is kind of just dropped later of like he hasn't entered your circle yet and I was like oh yeah there's the training circles um, yeah so 
Well, and there's a um, bit later at the party when they're talking about getting into the inner circle of the yeah, Don Raphael. So, See, but there, I just thought he meant like inner circle, like the phrase. I thought that circle. too. I didn't think of yeah. it as training circle. Um, so they didn't they didn't call it back specifically. So yeah, they didn't yeah. say you know enter the training circle or whatever. Yeah. Um, so. I think th- I think that might have just been a symptom of it being the training montage as a trope when I think it probably could have been used as a large chunk of the storytelling yeah. is him training and learning. And then that concept being the main theme of that segment of the movie um, probably would have made all that tie together a little bit better. Yeah. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. And it would have made the medallion possibly feel better use too because that has like the whole training circles thing on it mm-hmm. and yeah the medallion is basically like just to clue Zoro into the fact that these are the same kids that's it <laughs> so yeah mm-hmm. yeah um <clears throat> um and so as this training montage is kind of like going on we see um Alejandro and De La Vega see a Andalusian black horse similar to Zorro's horse tornado from the beginning of the movie. And so we have this bit where Alejandro kind of like makes his own Zorro mask and breaks into this army barracks. And there's kind of a a protracted scene of um, he tries to steal the horse, gets caught, and then has a lot of slapstick comedy fighting of... um, a whole bunch of soldiers. Um, I thought this part was was funny, although it did it went on a little too long. Uh, there were some pretty funny moments. As soon as you saw those barracks and it was like 17 tier bunk beds, I was like, wow, that seems really impractical. And then a few <laughs> minutes later, they all fall over. And I was like, nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice. This is cool. <laughs> Yeah. I, what I thought, what I think it's interesting about you saying that is I think uh, up to that point, the movie was losing me and losing me and losing me like slowly, but surely. Um, and then once that scene happened, I'm like, I'm back in. Um, I think the, the main thing I kept getting from that entire sequence was very much like Jackie Chan type vibes, if that makes sense, where he's just like getting by by the skin of his teeth and just doing whatever he can to get out of there. Um, like the cannonball uh, sequence where he's wax yeah. that dude. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just it's very over the top and very like uh, scrappy, um, which I thought was super fun, especially like when like what, like 30 guys all dogpile him all at once. Yeah. So funny. <laughs> and then the classic like cr- is like cartoon crawl out from under the dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love the like full campiness. Um, I thought that was all great. I though I wanted like more of that. Every time I saw it, I was like, yes, this part's great. Give me more scenes of this kind of ridiculous happening. Um, but <clears throat> I just didn't want every, I didn't, didn't want like what few scenes there were to be quite as drug out quite as long. But definitely um, that scene, you know, ended with him stealing the horse. Uh so this movie also in kind of like the classic um, Three Musketeers or Superman or all these things way people, no one puts anything together because I feel like this horse is pretty recognizable. And then for this guy to show up immediately in the next scene 
riding that horse and no one goes, hmm, interesting. Um, there's a couple more of those moments where you're like, you knew about this. Didn't you think, th you know, you knew about X. Didn't you think about Y? Um, but I think that's just part of this, you know, way of telling stories. Like it's not unique to this movie at all. Uh, so after they, they steal the horse, uh, he takes it back to De La Vega and De La Vega says that the next step is to infiltrate Don Rafael's party. And here we see De La Vega teach, um, Alejandro, not in sword fighting, but in, um, the art of being a Don or like a upper class citizen. So he gives him a bath, he shaves him, he, he cuts his mustache, he teaches him, um, I, it would have been, I think, interesting to see a longer, another training montage here where he like learns to dance and learns to do this other stuff. I guess we're led to believe that he knew how to do all these things, but, um, they go to this party. Oh, I guess I for, we forgot to mention in that last action scene is where Alejandro meets Elena played by Catherine Zeta Jones, who was De La Vega's daughter stolen from the beginning of the movie now grown up. She definitely just looks 20 years old. Um, I'm being sarcastic. She does not look 20 years old, although that would have been a little weird. I don't know how old were those uh, leads in this movie. Um, I don't think they were like 23 or I guess 25 and 20, but uh, that, didn't, that didn't bother me too much. Um, but there's a pretty funny scene where uh, um, Alejandro is a in a hiding in a confessional and she decides... Uh, in the middle of the night to go confess. And um, there's a pretty funny scene that I think is some of that audio is in the trailer where she's like, I committed the four or I broke the fourth commandment. And he's like, you murdered someone. Um, I thought that, that part was all funny. I think that most of the like jokes and comedy all worked, but I think again, lending most of itself to uh, the charisma of the people we see on the screen. Um, I don't think the writing was especially witty, but I think the the cast was like where the, where those jokes really worked. Um, I think especially the charisma was carried a lot by uh, Alejandro, just how he was as a character and how Antonio Banderas played him was very charismatic and very enjoyable to watch where he he I think he transformed a lot of his scenes from what would have been like pretty funny to like very enjoyable to watch just by who he is and how he took the character further. Yeah. I think that part of that also has to do with this director. Cause this director was the person that did golden eye. And you can definitely see like a lot of like golden eye is a very broad film. I'd say that this is also a pretty broad film and that you don't have to have like a terribly high IQ in order to like really enjoy it and stuff like that. It's pretty, it's pretty mass appeal sort of a movie. And a lot of the bits that are in like that movie GoldenEye, I feel like are bits that were like worked on and all right, we're going to do this thing and it's going to be funny because of this reason and stuff like that. And I feel like this movie probably went through some of those same steps. Um, so I do think that Antonio Banderas has to do a lot of that, but I think the director is also kind of the perfect director for this sort of a movie. I think he did a really good job with it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so they, um, uh, back to the story, they go to the, this party, De La Vega and Alejandro, um, and they're kind of, uh, masquerading as, um, kind of a well-known Spanish influencer, uh, to put 
put it in modern parlance. And uh, Anthony Hopkins is playing Bernardo, his servant. And I looked, I didn't know this. I was reading this right before we started recording that the character of Bernardo is what they modeled, is what Alfred was modeled on the original Batman story. Um, because apparently in the original Zorro, um, that character must have a bigger uh, like uh, play than we, what we really see here. But Josh, yeah, Bernardo's like it's just full on butler in the other Zorro stuff. He's like his Alfred, but instead of British, he's Bernardo. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's what Alfred was modeled after, which I thought was yeah. interesting. Um, well, I mean, and Batman is also just straight up modeled after Zorro in a lot of ways, too. Like a rich guy that goes and fights for the people and wears a mask and black cape and everything. Like, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things that visually um, and thematically connect to Batman. Mm-hmm. So. At this party, we're kind of introduced more to to the um, to the like nefarious plot by Don Raphael, and we get to meet, we get to spend more time with Captain Love, um, and I, I think it's typical of these kind of movies. But both of them are fairly one dimensional villain characters. Like they want to be kings of their kings of their land, and they don't care who they have to kill or what it, what they have to burn down in order to get there that that was fine that worked fine for me um i think because of the the you know the place this movie was trying to sit in um i was fine with not having super well-rounded villains um how did, how did you guys like this party and and like the introduction of these characters i really liked the the party sequence and stuff like that and i think i will push back a little bit on don Raphael because he really wants to keep his daughter not just because um he stole her but because i think he actually does love her um but i do totally agree with captain love he's like super one-dimensional for sure and it's literally only the performance of this actor that makes this any more than like the most forgettable character of all time (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah i i don't necessarily think don Raphael particularly loves his daughter i think he was infatuated with her mother and that's his only link to her um because there's a scene where she talks about how her dad like doesn't like these different parts of her that she feels like you know i can't be this because my dad doesn't want me to be he wants me to be you know a different person and i think he just wants her to be her mom um but we're never we're never really told either way but yeah it's fine that that didn't really bother me yeah i think uh villains I think I agree a little bit with Josh in that uh, Raphael felt more like a character I can understand, but not necessarily because he had like some reason for him being bad. He was he was pretty evil for evil's sake, but um, I at least could understand him. Uh, Love felt very one dimensional as well. But I think the way that they introduced them at this party was super fun. I greatly enjoyed the entire party scene. Oh, it was just it was just very enjoyable to watch. Um yeah, I, I think uh, I I don't, I don't want to slight Anthony Hopkins at all because I think he's a very talented actor. But I think in this spe- specific movie, I enjoyed seeing him take a backseat in this scene um, to where like he's there as support, but he's not there to to guide it and carry it, which I think I enjoyed a lot. Yeah. Yeah, 
And one of the best parts of this scene is this entire dance sequence that yes. Catherine Zeta-Jones and Antonio Banderas get to do. And it is so wonderful. It's and so good. It's like super purposeful for the plot too. It's not just like a dance sequence for a dance sequence, but it is pretty great. It's pretty good. Not going to lie. I was like, I should learn to dance. <laughs> I'm glad that you weren't like, I should learn how to eat people juice or whatever. Joaquin juice. So, oh, yeah, it's like, wow. where are you going with like, what you were saying? That's a completely wow. different scene. Wow, wow. wow. Wait, what a, what a <laughs> awkward comment for you to make. Uh, um, uh, no, um, yeah, I th- this whole party was great. I, I also I agree that it's it was fun to see Anthony Hopkins take that that back seat, and I was expecting a as I started to kind of watch this plot unfold, I was expecting there to be a lot more anim- animosity between De La Vega and Alejandro's characters, um, Alejandro and Antonio Banderas. I was expecting, um, you know, um, the, the plot point of young and um, like impatient versus the older and wiser. I was expecting that tension to be drug out a lot. And I feel like that, story has been told and it's not necessarily very interesting. And I wasn't looking forward to that, but I thought that their relationship was really good and it definitely had, you know, a more father, son mentor, mentee aspect to it. Um, that I thought was all really great. I, in this, um, in this party scene, there's a moment where Anthony Hopkins is walking down a hallway with some glasses and he starts (laughs) coughing and there's like a guard standing there <laughs> and the guard is finally like, uh, do you need me to, to take those from you? And Anthony Hopkins like, you know, hands the glasses and then stands there for a second coughing. And then he's like, oh, thanks. And then just knocks the guy out, clocks the guy <laughs> and like goes in and does some like reconnaissance and collects some information. I don't know, plotty things that didn't really matter, but it was a fun scene to see Anthony Hopkins in. But then I was thinking later, did no one report this like fact that <laughs> Bernardo knocked him out? Like, I feel like you'd be like, uh, oh, this long haired servant guy knocked me out and went in this. Like, I don't know. That was one of those things. I'm like, did, did, did we just, that maybe guy just him was up like, off screen. Oh, maybe. Yeah. I don't in know. the three-hour cut, they do address that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought my favorite part of that scene was just like he coughed for like what felt like yeah, way know, too long. I know, I know. <laughs> it was just like, dude, are you act like actually are you okay? Because yeah. that's dry heaves, man. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. they didn't have to shoot that scene too many times because that would have been really rough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. that was first take. <laughs> yeah. Well, and. It takes a long time. I don't know if the, he had a cue, but that guard waits a long time to take the cup. <laughs> and I'm picturing the director just being like, yeah, just wait a second, wait a beat, and then take the cups. And the guard's like, oh, no, I'm going to wait. <laughs> I'm acting with acting legend Anthony Hopkins in this yeah. scene, and I'm going to make yeah. it sure it's as long as possible. He's going to cough on me. <laughs> I felt like that guard, he's like, I don't, what do I do? Like, what, yeah. what am I supposed to do here? It's like his first, like, he actually is just a guard. He's not an actor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's good. Good stuff. Good stuff. 
I thought I had to cough there for a second, just out of empathy, but <laughs> the moment's passed. Um, <clears throat> so you didn't turn into empathy Hopkins. Anyways. All right. Moving That's on. It. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Going to go ahead and just delete myself. Um, okay. Uh, and so here after this scene, um, uh, one thing I want to ask, so about the dance, um, Don Raphael gets kind of annoyed when he sees them dancing or, or, or appears to be annoyed and kind of comes down. And I was expecting him to uh, get upset with Alejandro and say, you shouldn't be flirting with my daughter or, um, but it seemed like he was more frustrated with his daughter but, but we're never really quite shown. And I thought that maybe he was going to like kick Alejandro out, but then he invited him in to the inner circle. Um, so, so I wasn't really quite sure why there was that kind of like, stay away from, you know, why are you dancing with my daughter moment? Or uh, maybe I wasn't supposed to know or supposed to care, but um, Don Rafael takes Alejandro and invites him into this back room and shows this huge map of North America um, way too big. No one needs a map that big. Um, it's like 15 feet tall and kind of explains they're going to buy California from Santa Ana, I believe, using gold that they dug up from California. Really trick Santa Ana. And um, that's the plan. And I'm like, cool, I guess if you just want to live in like a dusty old California by yourself, digging up gold, that sounds like a fun dream to have, Don Rafael. Um, uh, again, we're we introduced to all these like Dons, and I don't really care about the Dons. I thought this part was fine, but um, I didn't need to see this kind of like Don yelling at Don moment. And Alejandro just kind of watching, being like, whoa, this is fucked up. All of those were minor villains from various. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> from the three hour cut. Um, they all the get Zorro a little TV bit of fleshing show. out. <laughs> yeah. I definitely thought that like maybe this was just towards the campy nature of it. But I, I always thought it was weird. It was just like how in movies like this, if like the good guy is going undercover or whatever, he's like around the bad guys and the bad guys are like doing some unspeakable bad thing. And they're like, ah, I'm, I, we're evil, evil. And then the, <laughs> the main guy's just like, keep it together. Like they all know that he's a good guy and they're trying to test him. I'm like, do, do bad guys really act like that? Or are they just doing that? Because <laughs> I think, uh, uh, the mine is where they went like full bad guy. And yeah. That's the next scene. So we can just get there now, but yeah. they get to this mine and they just have like people chained to mining equipment and they're just blatantly like, and I don't know if they're criminals or just enslaved peasants or what they are, but um, we get them from wherever we want to get them from. Yeah. <laughs> 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 didn't help very much <laughs> this, this just like is where it leaned way into the mustachio twirling <laughs> definitely um, their mustaches had mustaches like let's be real <laughs> which again fine fine i i wish uh i think too much time earlier in the movie is spent on the political machinations of his plot when it could have just been immediately like i'm building a bomb to blow up the world like i don't need to 
We yeah. don't need like to, <laughs> yeah. to to sympathize with your plot and then go, oh wait, but you're the bad guy. Like, yeah. If a movie isn't gonna like take the time to really flesh out the villain, it's like you might as well just cut as much down as possible that isn't super 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 scenery chewing and then just keep the good stuff like that's one of my reasons why this villain like people will say that he's totally forgettable but in the marvel movie guardians of the galaxy one the villain's name is ronan and he's just like a bad guy for the sake of being space bad guy he's in like six scenes or five scenes in the movie and he is the most one note character and it's perfect if they had like a bunch of backstory scenes about why he's sad and why he's a bad guy and stuff like that we just be like get this fucking movie out of here (laughs) so the fact that they cut it down i think is good and this movie could have done that even more so i I definitely think so i i think probably my biggest problem was i felt like it kept flip-flopping um and not fully going for one tone if that makes sense so like earlier on in the movie it's like very much like we're trying to empathize with these characters trying to see where they come from and really get on their side emotionally and that kind of deal especially even with the villains like try to figure out where they're at emotionally politically but then as the movie goes on he's like oh this has actually got some comedy in it and then wait, no, we're going to re- backtrack on that and then get back to serious and then just ignore that funny stuff. But then again, it goes back into the tropey nature. I think if it tried to focus heavily on one or the other, I think one or the other would have worked. But um, I think its nature of going back and forth was probably its weakest part. Yeah. And again, for me, these are very minor nits. So Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, because I was going to say, these are not new complaints to like no. the no. modern blockbuster. Because like not you could all. say the same thing about Marvel movies today. And people do. <laughs> They're like, they often mm-hmm. do. They mm-hmm. often do. People love to complain about them. <laughs> so, um, yeah. One thing that the, the gold mine scene does is we really get to see the brutality of Captain Love. Oh, and yeah. uh, here we are reintroduced to Three Finger Jack. And... Uh, he does this ridiculous monologue from the top of a railroad car and then <laughs> ramps into people with pickaxe. And Captain Love straight up pulls out what must have been the highest caliber gun possible. And shoots 82 him caliber. Yeah, shoots him midair and rockets him backwards. <laughs> There's just this huge wire pole on yeah, him yeah, as he like goes reverse direction. I was like, what the? Um, and then there's kind of a sweet moment where Alejandro and Three Finger Jack can reconnect as, as Three Finger Jack dies. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Captain Love brings Alejandro into his den of nasties or whatever he calls it. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's proceeds, correct. Yeah, I prefer to call it den of nasties. <laughs> proceeds to pull out a water jug with his brother's head in it. Joaquin Juice. Wine Yay. pitcher with Three Finger Jack's hand in it which really is only like hours old at that point like yeah pretty fresh still fine yeah and they drink out of the joaquin juice jug that's like, the, that's the thing i was confused about did love actually drink out of it or was he just doing that for alejandro's sake i thought he was just j- just joshing him and then <laughs> alejandro's like no man i'll drink some of the shit water i'm like that's how you die that's how you get yeah. diseases mm-hmm. yeah yeah um that scene when i watched this movie as a kid my parents were like 
and we're going to skip this scene and just go to the next scene because it is fucking gross. <laughs> yeah. I ju- I was so confused by this scene because I was just like, okay, like, yeah, this is for like to scare Alejandro. It's like, this is his brother's head. This is his buddy's hand. Um, but then he starts drinking out of it. I'm like, wait, hold on. Aren't you supposed to be scaring him? I feel like now you're just grossing him out. Yeah. And later when he finds out that Zorro is Alejandro, he's like, oh, what? I'm like, well, you didn't suspect that. You just would have done that to anybody. You would have pulled out a head and a hand just to anybody you didn't like. How many heads and hands does he have? Down and how there? convenient is it that it's the two people that Alejandro are is connected with? Yeah. 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 I wonder almost if that was like some sort of reshoot add in scene where they're like, we have to show how evil Captain Love is because people aren't going to believe it or whatever. So they just added it in. They're like, all right, it's perfect. Keep it. (laughs) Well, does that make sense? I don't know. (laughs) I'm no producer, but I can tell you what that was a choice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the movie is really just, um, oh, uh, so the final kind of, there's two major set pieces we have left. So, um, we are told and we come to find out that they are, um, selling, giving the gold to Santa Ana in the, in the morning and, um, in an evil mustachioed scene, they're like, we must kill everyone who knows and blow the mine up and kill the miners and do all this stuff. And uh, they laugh and cackle and drink something out of cups. Twirl their mustaches, mustache. Yeah, yeah wax each other's <laughs> mustaches. And uh, <clears throat> Antonio Banderas is in there and he's like stealing the documents. And, um, you know, he steals the map. And then there's like a, a sword duke out with uh, love and Don Raphael in the hallway. And then he goes into the stables where he has a sword fight with Elena. The that's her name, right? Or Elena? Yep. My okay. Elena. I Elena. Doubt, I was doubting myself. Elena, um, I think is her name. Yeah. This uh, sword fight with Catherine Zeta Jones. Um, which I thought was pretty fun. It was like fun, flirty. They uh, did some sword play, crossed swords. She was pretty good with the sword. Um, how, what did you guys think of all this stuff? Uh, I liked it. I thought it was funny, but I th- it feels very much of its time, if that makes sense. I don't know if we could really get away with... Um, slicing off a woman's clothing and then her being like oh my that was amazing type i don't think we could get away get away with that now but i think with the campy nature of it and stuff like that and how like over the top everything was i think it worked um but well and they did set it up if they didn't set it up it would be like the most disgusting scene of all time oh yeah definitely yeah yeah if um i think this is where that um confessional scene really helps us kind of like get in their mindset of like they're both un- well she's unbeknownst talking to him but telling her telling zoro that she like really has a thing for him um so that the flirtingness kind of comes off a little bit better um <clears throat> uh here again though he's sneaking into the stables 
to take his horse and no one was like wait he took that guy's horse where is that guy where that is guy, Clark Kent that guy <laughs> signed his name as Zorro <laughs> should we follow up with this or something yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah you're gonna break into a compound you first of all you put your horse into uh like the, the corral. I mean, that's like you're robbing a bank and you put your car well, in valet or something. I was going to say, is there not like some horse valet guy who's like <laughs> normally in charge of the horses for the Lords? Cause I feel like there would be. And then Zoro's like, Oh no, I'm going to just take this horse. <laughs> this guy's like, all right, cool. I'm going on break. Like I'll see you yeah. later. Maybe it's in the three hour yeah. cut, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Yeah. I don't know. That, that was silly. Yeah. Um, and then the final scene takes place at the gold mine. Um, kind of the big bombastic uh, end of movie fight scene. We have Alejandro and Captain Love fighting, and we have De La Vega and Don Rafael fighting, and um, Catherine Zeta Jones doing some fighting slash rescuing people. Um, some of the stuff. I wish that worked. she got a fight two there at the end yeah yeah there's not there's not a good uh like i don't know who it would have been best for her to fight maybe nobody because yeah there's not even there's no like equivalent person um who's even like shown to be a sword fighter worth fighting so it would have been nice for her to have another sword fight though i agree uh a couple things one the uh, death of Captain Love and Don Raphael uh, come from being crushed under like a massive amount of gold, which I didn't quite realize until the very end. I was like, okay, he's being pulled by a cart. Okay, all right. And then Captain Love stabbed and we're like, well, he's about to die. And this cart falls on him. And I'm like, well, that was a bummer. And then I was like, oh, wait, that was all gold. I'm like, and that'd be a real bummer to get squished by tons and tons of gold. That's that's um, how I'd say that's a, a, a way a bummer way to go out for sure. Yeah, yeah. Not a very Bottom ecstatic three one. ways to go out <laughs> crushed by a lot of gold. Uh, and the other big moment was they have rigged the entire mine to blow up and they're rescuing people and they're standing right by the like doorway where people, you know, would presumably have died if they were there because that was where they had been and they're like letting people out and that's where they're standing when everything blows up. And I was like, wait, did everyone just die? But no, they made it out. And I'm like, we didn't even get to see them like running away or trying to, it's just like they're standing by the bombs and then everything blows up. And I was like, I think this movie pulls that sort of thing a couple of times where they're like, they died. But then they didn't, and you're just like, oh, okay. It's a it's a tried and true method of getting anticipation. Um, yeah. It's not exactly. It doesn't really make any sense, uh, but nope. it's an editing trick yeah. that a lot of people still like to use. Yep. But yep. But you know what an editing it, trick is that they don't like to use anymore, which they should use, is adding in animal roars in the background of explosions. Oh, yes. <laughs> so well, that's so, what they should do. I was going to talk about the sound and score overall oh, okay. there's a lot of oh well, we could save animal that, sound effects <laughs> well we could just talk about it now there's a lot of animal sound effects just in general uh yeah. there's like a horseback fight that i thought was great where Antonio oh yeah Vendor that kind of so comes good. up from mm-hmm. behind and slowly just takes them all out but yeah there's like 
cat screeches and bird screeches and all kinds of stuff and in, in the just going on while they're fighting and i'm like this is bananas <laughs> yeah 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 bonkers bonkers um so yeah what would you what did you guys think of that gold gold uh gold rush showdown at the gold rush Uh, I think uh, it was I think my the thing I remember the most is that depending on what shot we were looking at of like uh, Raphael's like death, like him getting tugged by the cart, some shots, the cart's going really, really slow. But in the close up shots, it's going really fast. So I'm just like, how is he getting tugged? Like if it's from like a wide angle, it's showing a very slow cart. I'm like, you could literally just get up. And just untie it. Um, but then close up, it was like very fast. So I thought that was I, that was like the biggest thing I noticed. That was funny. One of uh, one of my favorite things in this is how obvious the green screen is when Alejandro and Captain Love are fighting on top of their little like yes. their little fucking I don't know what it is, what <laughs> pallet or whatever that they're flying on. Um, and you just see like him looking over the edge, like, Oh no. And then it's just like very clearly he's got like some sort of hazing around him and stuff. Cause it's all green screen in the nineties and everything and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's a little silly, but there is like some really good moments. Like I love the, um, sword gleam thing that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Antonio Banderas mm-hmm. does. And, the like sun gleams along the entire length of the sword. I like stuff like that. That was fun, mm-hmm. but it's extremely silly and extremely by the numbers. Cause you know what has to happen. They've set up all the dominoes. The Rube Goldberg's has been pushed. You know, it's going to happen at the end of it. And it does what it needed to do in a way that was not unsatisfying to me. Totally. Yeah, no, I, I think it was, <clears throat> in a lot of ways very predictable but i think it was fun in that predictability because they got to play around with it a little bit to make it just enjoyable and fun um yeah i agree um anything else you guys want to talk about plot point wise before we move on well i was gonna say the then the end of the movie is like um anthony hopkins passes away gives his blessing to um Alejandro and Elena and then it kind of bookends with the same mirrored scene from earlier on with Zorro talking to his kid and like flirting with his wife and stuff like that so I I was secretly hoping at the end of that scene that there would be some new Don that just shows up (laughs) and kills his wife (laughs) I was like the modern that's the modern They're, franchise yeah. wanting a uh, movie movie goer in you. Yeah, I was like, I don't want that to happen. But how hilarious would that be <laughs> if just all of a sudden like, oh, no, it just starts over again. It's Don Raphael, but he's in like gold armor. And he's like, <laughs> Hello again. It's me, Don Raphael, too. I've come to yeah. kill your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Dos Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's move on. Um, one of the things that I've been asking on some of these movies is what we'll start with you, Grant. What role do you think Bruce Willis would have played in this movie if you were to That's cast a, him? I think, honestly, I think either 
uh, De La Vega or Raphael. I think one of the two he probably could have done. Um, I, I think I don't know his acting chops as well as I probably should, but um, I think it'd be a pretty safe bet to have him be De La Vega. But I think it would have been fun to see him be like a more menacing uh, dude, I think he probably could have done a really good job. And I know I'm taking this very seriously, but I think it would have been fun. <laughs> Josh, what about you? Yeah, I think the Don Rafael may may have been a good fit for him. I would not have wanted him to be Don Diego de la Vega because I don't want Anthony Hopkins removed from this film. So that is probably a pretty selfish decision on my part. Um, but yeah, I uh, I think that he could have been Don Raphael. Um, he might have been good as Captain Love, but I don't know that he would have taken it with how thin the character is written. So that's what um, that's what I was gonna say is uh, Captain Love, um, who's played by Matt Letcher. Letcher, um, I think Bruce Willis would have been a good um, <clears throat> Captain Love. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's move on. Um, Josh, do you want to talk about box office numbers for this? Hell movie? yeah, I do. So this movie um, was made in 1998 and in 1998 dollars, it spent 95 big ones. And okay. <laughs> big Pause. ones, big ones that, that brought in. Tell to me in gold bars. <laughs> that, that, that brought Stamped in. Stamped with uh, Spain, Spain <laughs> oh stamp God. or whatever. <laughs> that brought in uh, 250.3 million. So pretty massive return. Um, comparable budget to Die Hard with a Vengeance or The Fifth Element. Like big action blockbuster movies. So yeah. It's a, and it's kind of crazy too, because you, I don't really feel like you see a whole lot of like movies where it's set in this time period where they spend that much money on it. (laughs) Cause you set movies in that time period so that you don't have to spend a shit ton of money on like (laughs) robo suits and spaceships and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the reasons this movie really works now is it's has very little CGI and very little special effects and even the explosions, what little explosions there are and like what other stuff is there's so much slapstick involved that, you know, the, the scene where all those beds crash looks silly. And that's because the whole scene is silly. The horse is just flying through walls and stuff like that's not supposed to look especially um, expensive from a set making perspective. It's just supposed to work. And I think it all, I think it does good. Um, But I think, the money spent on the talent and training the talent and getting the swordsmanship um, stuff done right. And all the stunts I thought were worked really well. Uh, Action movies can oftentimes use like close fast cuts if they don't want to show a lot of action in order to cover up like bad fighting. And this movie didn't have that. So you could tell that they spent the time to choreograph a lot of the swords fights. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really satisfying watching like 10 seconds or so of uninterrupted sword play. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's it's especially not like pre born identity. It feels very much like back to when they would actually show the action, which was very nice to see, because it looks like they put in a lot of effort into choreography and also just training everyone. Yep. Yeah, for sure. 
All right. Next up, we're going to move into the Star Trek connection. But before that, we're going to take a quick break. And boy, do I need it. I have to go pee so bad. <laughs> I got to fill my water bottle. <laughs> also, go to the bathroom. All right. I'll be back in like two minutes because I'm also maybe three because I'm also going to refill my water jug. It's a long pee, Josh. Yeah, wait, he has a jug? <laughs> I, don't know this, I don't know we're bringing jugs to this. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Josh. Thanks again for listening. If you are interested in supporting us financially, you can go to anchor.fm slash willis dash way slash support. All right, back to the episode. Also, uh, we were making we were making fun, sorry. Uh, Josh, if you're having a jug of water, <laughs> a jug of water, not just a One water you bottle. you have to pee for three minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have this and then I just keep refilling this. Because I use I, downstairs filtered water. Wouldn't it just make sense to like have a big water bottle? Yeah. Son, I need to buy you a water bottle. As you can see, <laughs> I keep two. <laughs> <laughs> like just get a big one and you don't have to keep going back and forth. <laughs> but, and plus um, they're usually insulated. <laughs> you don't have to have like just an open jug of water that could spill yeah. at any point. Josh, are you... <laughs> you keep heads and or three-fingered hands in that water jug? <laughs> For flavor, of course. Yeah. Why, why do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I would be too worried about like, like spilling either the cup or the jug because that's a lot of water. Yeah. Yeah, but I have that over here, and my computer is over here. Oh, so. so if you spill it like the other way, then you're fine. Just don't spill it towards the computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, Water yeah, is actually sure. afraid of computers, though, so it'll run that way, which is nice. So, like, you know how there's like hydrophobic material? Um, the water is actually afraid of the computer this time. Yeah. Yes, it's a electrophobic water. <laughs> <laughs> Water and electricity. I always knew that there was something going on with those two. Yeah. So. Yeah. Something's fishy about those mm. two. A naughty little secret that you don't know. <laughs> uh, I've been working on my house a lot since purchasing it, and it has required a lot of electrical work that is kind of half done. And so there's just wires sticking out of all my walls, and rooms don't have a lot of lights. And I'm like, yep, don't, don't just don't lean against that wall, <laughs> or like stay, just don't, don't touch those things. Just don't touch anything, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just heads up if you come over, don't touch anything. Take your <laughs> shoes of, off, rule number one. Don't touch anything, rule number All two. of Kendrick's house is built out of the same material those bunk beds are built out of in the barracks. <laughs> yeah. 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 My house is 17 stories, but one bed size. I don't know it's what the really fuck that tall. means. But. No, it's it, no. I I understand. It's like <laughs> seventy stories. Yeah, but, but it's, it's like it's the square footage of a fucking bed. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's like a tall bunk bed in a house. <laughs> you got to be really careful. Though windy days, it might fall over, and you got to rebuild yep. it. But mm-hmm. it's pretty efficient as far as like space goes. Why why oh, build definitely. it up seventy stories? Why not have the first story and then go seventy stories down? Oh, uh, that so, would have been smart. Yeah, I don't know legally how far down. Like, do you just own ground forever down below yeah. your house? I I don't think that they've ever established that. I think you should just see if you can dig a hole 
Yeah, really, you should. Really you deep. shouldn't look into it. You should just do it. I, I wouldn't look into it personally. <laughs> well, I feel like I, I feel like I'm hallucinating, but I'm pretty sure I just saw some comedic bit about how men, like uh, men, middle aged men, love to just dig holes, mm-hmm. and so there was just like a whole bunch of news stories of guys who were like, "Yeah, I dug a tunnel from my house, just like." seven miles because i was bored but i don't know where i saw that and i'm like did i just hallucinate that i I feel like it's a very man thing to just be like i want to create a dense like (laughs) just a series of caves on my property okay so so i'm reading um and it looks like people are saying you own the land as far down as you'd like, but you have really limited capacity for controlling it. So like if they go, Oh, we're going to build a subway through this section and you're like, but my tunnel, they're like, no, sorry, (laughs) we're going to build our subway. So yeah, you, uh, you do and you don't, you do and you don't, you do until you don't, I would say. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. That's true for everything in life. Yep. All right, let's get on to the Star Trek connection. You guys ready? Yeah. Yes. Good. All right, let's get on to the Star Trek connection. There were several in this movie. I found some and Josh found some. So I'll start. Victor Rivers, the actor who plays Joaquin... Uh, Alejandro's brother um, as an adult was also in an episode of Deep Space Nine called Distant Voices. And this episode is where Dr. Bashir is uh, attacked by a telepathic alien uh, who's stealing some stuff from sickbay and kind of lives out this mental um, replaying of his different, of some personalities and different stuff. And then, he wakes up to find that it was all a dream. And the alien who did the telepathic attack was Victor Rivers. Is that the one where he gets really old in his imagination? Uh, I can't say since I didn't actually watch this episode. I just read the plot summary. <laughs> but I think I think I don't believe so. I think he's just uh, <clears throat> in his head. He's protecting the rest of the crew. Um. And I don't, I think the viewer, you don't know what's going on. You just see him trying to protect the crew and all the crew is like playing out different facets of his personality. Um, and so he's like trying to save, you know, Cisco and uh, Odo and everybody else, but they're not themselves. They're playing like different aspects of, of Bashir. Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you if it's the one he gets old in. It, it is. It is. I just looked it up because... He looks really fucking weird when he's old. And I'm trying to find a picture that I can send to you guys. Well, so I saw recently a modern day version of him and he looks real good for his current age. Yeah. Not at all like this fake ass old version of him. (laughs) But I think that it was nominated for like an Emmy for outstanding makeup in a TV show. Josh, you sent so, me a. Gray, I was about to say, yeah. You sent me a gray box. Yeah, so, what? Not in Chrome. Wait, wait, internet, my man. No, w- w- open it in Firefox. Don't open it in Chrome. It actually works there. Uh, <laughs> wait, <really>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. 
Oh, Am yeah, I able to right. send photos in this chat? Yeah, exactly. WTF. Uh, Chrome WTF. I can't send um, photos. It's sad. We'll have to put this. Oh, it won the, the Emmy Award for Outstanding Makeup Achievement in a TV Show. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty great. Uh, Josh, which Star Trek connection did you find? Yeah, so I actually found a couple of Star Trek connections. Um, Tony Amendola. Tony Amendola. Uh, he was in a Voyager episode in season six called Muse, and he was this third chorus member of these people who are worshiping Belana Torres. Um, I've seen this episode and I do not remember this episode. I really <laughs> checked out a Voyager pretty early on. That show fucking sucks. Come at me. Um, and in mask of Zorro, he played uh, Don Luis, which is one of the mustachio twirling bad guys, but he's the one that's introduced at the beginning. So he's a little bit more important. Oh. Um, yeah. He's named. He's named. Yeah. Instead of just Don, <laughs> Don, Don, um <laughs> and <laughs> they all have like historically accurate names like hey i'm don <laughs> <laughs> and then uh the other connection is james horner who was the composer for mask of zorro he was the uncredited on the movie conductor of wrath of khan and search for spock and then he also did like titanic and a bunch of other movies but he has been mired in like a bunch of different controversies about stealing stuff. Um, the biggest controversy though of this man, um, rest in peace, by the way, is that he scored the amazing Spider-Man and it is like one of the worst scores that I've heard recently. Um, and he was replaced did, on the second. Did it movie. have a lot of, uh, animal screeches and bears? <laughs> bear no. no, it did not. Sadly. Yeah. I think that's what made it worse. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Titanic. Does Titanic have a lot of roars? Wait, hold on. You've never seen Titanic? It's in my watch list. I don't know what else you want from me. <laughs> we are now, we're exiting, we're walking out the door on our 90s retrospective, <laughs> and you never once were like, you know, I should watch Titanic. I've not seen it either. Oh my gosh, you two. <laughs> Well, yeah. I expect you to go watch it and then paint your recollection of a French girl uh, before we next meet. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, That's we can never meet reference. together again. Then. No, I, I know that reference. <laughs> you don't want to get hit by an iceberg. That's also a Titanic <laughs> reference. Man, I forgot about how icebergs don't exist anymore. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's so nuts. Oh man, man! R.I.P. Your generation. Yeah, no kidding. No, you won't understand how Titanic was a thing. Yeah, I don't know what ice is. Is that like a new thing? It's currently an endangered species. <laughs> yeah, we've got a conservation set up with just a bunch of ice makers. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to get them to breed, but we, like, we don't understand how it works. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you two are happy. <laughs> it's a very important bit that we just had there, Kendrick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the death of our planet. <laughs> uh, still a better concept than Don't Look Up. Anyways. Um, Damn. Ouch. I like that movie. 
a little bit. <laughs> I was like, you like that movie? Like, uh, I still need to watch it. I thought it was great at failing as a movie that made me It care. had a few funny moments. Yes. Agreed. We can do a bonus episode. Um, I just looked, uh, I looked today at what people are predicting will get nominated for the Oscars. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there's a website called Gold Derby, which basically does like Vegas odds for uh, awards ceremonies. So things like the Oscars or the SAG Awards or the BAFTAs or Emmys, stuff like that. And people will give you odds and you can bet and um, and make predictions. I don't think there's actually money transferred on the Gold Derby, but people use their odds for other um websites bookmaking sites where you can bet anyway i was going through the list today of what people predict will be nominated the nominations as of those recording are coming out in like another 10 days i think um pretty impressed i had actually seen almost all of them but don't look up surprisingly predicted to get quite a few nominations so mm. won't you guys be eating crow when that movie wins like best asteroid or something I'll be getting character relationship objective where <laughs> I've heard it's very much like for movie. It's a movie for people that will like it. It feels very divisive. Like if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I'm supposedly in the camp that should have liked it though. And I did not like mm. it. I don't, that's all I know about it. But yeah, yeah. I like Jonah Hill and I like Timothy Chamalot. Um, but other than that, I was like, nah. I liked the four-star general who tricks people into paying for chips. That was my favorite part. Oh, yeah. That was uh, great. <laughs> um, yeah, I definitely don't think it was a great movie. I just don't. I was expecting it to be terrible, and I was like, oh, that had some funny moments. Uh, but anyway, yeah. we're not doing a Don't Look Up podcast. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll save that for some other time since I know Josh, now that I know Josh loves it. Oh, man. <laughs> you drag me kicking and screaming to record the episode. <laughs> Satire in a post Trump world is very hard to do. So, yep. Yep. May he rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> Trump died when he had COVID. That's why we haven't seen him a whole lot recently. Uh, yeah. mm. You guys are going to jinx us. <laughs> it's going to be like a gold-plated Trump. <laughs> Trump 2 comes back. Yeah. Dose okay. old Trump. <laughs> <laughs> this has gone way in a bad <laughs> deep end. Let, Let's go back to the movie place. we were talking about. Yeah. We're in the bad place. Oh, um <clears throat> Speaking of the bad place, if you're listening to this and you haven't left us a review, you should go to the bad place. So go leave us a review. That's how that's how this works, I think, right, Josh? You you tell people they'll get punished if they don't review us. I prefer not to use that terminology, but yeah, punished. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review or a star rating, do the same thing at Spotify, then email us on how to do it at Spotify. You can email us, williswaypod at gmail.com. Oh, man. I'm just cracking up about the fact that you're telling people how to <laughs> to email us on how to leave a review for us. Yeah, we, so we don't want to Google it. We'll, we'll have you tell us. <laughs> we are uh, unable to Google you... things. 
I don't know if you young millennials or Gen Zs or whatever you are are aware of this, but uh, getting old means you don't understand how things work and you just have to assume someone will correct you. Yep. Yeah. I assume that's correct. I don't know. <laughs> that yeah. sounds right See? to me. <laughs> so Someone will tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> Lean into getting older. That's what I've always said. <laughs> so every episode, we like to end the podcast with a little sweet treat to close out the show. And this sweet treat can just be any sort of recommendation whatsoever. Um, Kendrick, do you have a sweet treat that you brought for us? I do. This is the show Arcane on Netflix. It is an animated show. Um, it is loosely based on the League of Legends game, although I've never played it, played the game in my life, know nothing about the game, and still really enjoyed the show. So um, I feel like you do not need to even know that it is based on a game to enjoy it. I think that the animation is some of the best animation I've ever seen on any uh, piece of work. And the story is all really compelling and the sound is really great. And um, yeah, I really liked it. So that is Arcane on Netflix. Very good show. Very, very good. Right on, right on. Grant, what is your recommendation? <clears throat> My sweet treat is uh, the video game God of War from 2018. Uh, I, I think it's really hard to put into words how good this game is. And I realize this is not cinematic, uh, but it's... It's a game that takes a heavy inspiration from cinema in a way that it tells a really, really good story about a father and a son. Um, and I don't want to say much more than that because it's got a lot of great character moments and character depth and change. And it's overall just a quality story on top of it being a really good game. But yeah, it's very good. Nice. That is God of War. And I think they just did their PC release, if I'm not mistaken. Right? They did. Yes. Very, very they good. Did. So you can get you can on that on PlayStation or a PC. Yes. All right, Joshua, what yeah. is your sweet treat? Yes, I'm doing a comic book in film class right now. So I have to like for the final submit a adaptation of a comic book. And I was reading a bunch of different stuff and I love the character, the question. He's like a minor character in Justice League Unlimited. And I read the like first few series or first few um, like entries into the series in the question run that was done by O'Neill in the 80s. And it's great. So check that out. It's available on the DC Universe Infinite dot com website. You do have to pay a subscription for it, but. Then you get to read comics and it's kind of neat. So yeah, that's my sweet treat. Awesome. I uh, have been getting back into comic book reading and it's great. I love it. For sure. For sure. All right, Grant, I wanted to thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what a what a sweet treat you've been. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Kendrick. True, 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 true. Um, Grant, do you have any way that you would want people to follow you? Any sort of way to plug the, your your stuff that you do? Yeah, um, I'm at the Amazing Gap on Twitter. That's the Amazing Gap, all in word. Um, as a uh, same thing on YouTube. I make some content when I make content. <laughs> so. <laughs> This is true. This is true. And his content mm -hmm. is good. I've, I've been subscribed for a long time and he is 
uh, gotten consistently better. His Doom video is incredible. Highly recommend Thank it. Thank you. Thank Highly you. Recommend it. Yeah. Kendrick, what about you? You can follow me on Twitter where I tweeted about most recently my experience going to virtual Sundance. I can't remember if I brought this up last uh, episode or not, but Sundance went all virtual this year, which meant I could purchase tickets and attend. And I tweeted about that. And you can follow me on Twitter at K Martinix. That's K-M-A-R-T-I-N-I-X. Josh, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I retweet political things and video game things, and I write my own dumb jokes. Um, you can get straight from the the horse's tweet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Joshing Carter. All right. Sorry, I just can't get over it straight from the horse's tweet. I hated that so much. <laughs> yeah, I... I wish we hired a podcast editor just so I could tell him to now strike that out. <laughs> Let that be stricken from the record. <laughs> I wanted to be completely silent during that part so we could just like cut this whole part, but just that was really fucking stupid. <laughs> well, <laughs> Josh is going to hand off his cup to some guard here. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> On that note, thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Were we going to say what episode we were doing next? Uh, good point. Before I hit stop, should we... <laughs> next week, we're going to watch the whole nine yards. Or next time. Fuck. Next time, we're going to be covering the whole nine yards. Should we just like Goodbye. take a second? <laughs> no, <ahead>. no. <laughs> oh Goodbye. 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 Oh, yeah.